This is an hour with David Bowie, and the interviewer is Charlie Rose from his now-canceled television program. You can't find this interview with Bowie anywhere else. Enjoy. This is the White Hot Magazine Art World Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Becker. For more than 30 years, David Bowie has been challenging the limits of artistic expression. He first made his mark in the 1970s with the flamboyant, surreal stage persona, Ziggy Stardust. In the 80s, he ascended to superstardom with enormously successful commercial albums, particularly 1983's Let's Dance. He's known as an innovator, a creative artist blending the worlds of music and film and art. Last year, he ventured into publishing with the launch of 21, an independent art publishing house. I am pleased to have him here to talk about a life in music, in film, and now in publishing and art. Welcome. Great to Good see evening, Charlie. Well, it's I'm nice sure. to have I you back. Follow that. Uh, can we do this without Julian? I suspect we can, <laughs> can't we? <laughs> We're never doing it without Julian. Julian will always be there in spirit. All yeah. right. Uh, let me go all the way back because I want to move sort of where you, where you have come to mm. being what you're doing today. South London, mm -hmm. yes? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, just tell me about where you wanted to be and what it was that influenced you and what I it was that, that got you started. When I was at... Uh, school I was in a, uh, an art stream and uh, I guess everything was geared for me to be a, an artist, a visual artist and a painter and or a commercial artist and I think for about the first six months when I left school I was a commercial artist making money that way but I was playing saxophone in the evenings right. with uh, rhythm and blues bands and I found that I didn't like doing designer work for sort of raincoats and slimming biscuits. Yes. Uh, a now defunct slimming biscuit actually that we worked on called AIDS. Called what? It was called AIDS. Yeah. That was the slimming biscuit that we were working on. That is no more, of course. Uh, and uh, I found that I was earning as much money playing the saxophone in the evening and it was giving me a lot more pleasure because I was my own master of that. And so I gave up the commercial art and stay with the saxophone. It went from one, one to thing another. led to another. Yeah. <laughs> well, rather over a period of time there yeah. in the 60s, but Presley influenced you? Little Richard Little influenced Richard, you? Little Richard, very much so. Presley, uh, because uh, I think he was just such an indomitable spirit of music uh, in his early days, and uh, it, it was reckless, and it was really quite a rebellion that he cast upon America and the whole of Western society, really, single-handedly. White, white, the white West, anyway. Yeah. Uh, Little Richard and Fats Domino, of course, uh, the early rockers, and then into things like uh, John Lee Hooker, and yeah. and also by the 60s, I, I fell in love with a band called the Velvet Underground, and uh, right. I think they sort of sorted me out the kind of music that I wanted to write. Not really like them, but I took the uh, tip from them, yeah. anyway. You were going from one band to another. I mean, I've never yeah. seen such a list of bands that uh, you were associated with. Yeah. A weaker band, yeah. <laughs> a weaker band. Yeah. Yeah. All going to do what? I mean, just to, to be a musician and to... Yeah, I couldn't make... I mean, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't very resolute about the idea of being a singer. I played saxophone. I wanted, really, I wanted to do that, but a singer was uh, beaten up one night, and so I took over the vocals, and it went down okay, and so I stayed on as singer, and then I got disenchanted with the songs that we were doing. I wanted us to write our own, and they didn't want to write songs. So I got thrown out the band, and then, you know, it was all those kinds yeah. of changes 
When was, was the first? It was fairly sort of. Uh, uh, it was really that's a pretty stereotypical beginnings for any any person out of England. I think. How did? But this the interesting thing is, yeah. is the percentage of people in in rock music that in fact have some kind of art background uh, compared to American bands. A lot of American bands often come from uh, a different kind of background. It's often a it's very often a blue collar kind of background. Right. Um, and it was uh, and they're probably brought up in more industrial towns and they're. Like Springsteen in New Jersey. It's a typical example. Um, I think uh, in Britain there was really a penchant for anybody studying. Oh, you went to art school to learn how to play the guitar better, it seems yeah. to me. And so many of us ended up in, in rock bands. And I think that gave English rock its, its kind of character. It gave it the, the strange quirkiness that it has. I mean, for sure, mine draws on not just rock, but vaudeville. Um, and avant-garde, you know, it can it can wear a red nose, yeah. and sort of take its clothes off at the same time. This notion of you as an iconoclast, this sense yeah. of of always striking out to sort of, as we say, push the edges of the envelope. Where does that yeah. come from? I'm not sure if it's iconoclastic. I, I think my ideal more is uh, uh, a synthesis uh, rather than anything else. I quite and have always liked the idea of uh, the cybernetics of our culture, the way that you can draw several strands together and create a new thing. I, th I, I hope and believe that it's a, uh, that what I do is more of a creative thing in that way, that I think it's fine to draw from opera or from the, the visual arts, uh, from the uh, underground, from mainstream, um, uh, and just produce a new blend, which is probably a, a more complete way of describing the way that we live and uh, creating, uh, creating a sense of the cultural spin by, by amalgamating all these different threads. That's, that's why I think well, anyway. Well, well one of the <laughs> that's, that's it, isn't it? <laughs> that's what it's all about. One of the things that people have always said about you is you keep an eye on what's going on with what is new. I can't take my eyes off them. <laughs> I, it's, you know, it's, uh, I really, I've got an incredible, um, appetite for, for what we do and, and how we do it and how we express it. Um, and ever since I was a kid, it's, it's, uh, I always want to know what's out there. Do I've you, always want to know what's happening. Do you think of yourself first as a musician? Uh, <coughs> I mean, no, no actually, I find that the idea of having to say that I'm a musician uh, in any way is an embarrassment to me because I don't really believe that. I've always felt that what I do is I use music for my way of expression. I don't believe I'm very accomplished at it. And uh, I sigh, a, uh, uh, I give a little sigh of relief every time that I come up with something which sounds whole and complete and sort of functions as a piece of music. I mean, sort of, uh, and, and, and uh, fortunately, it does seem to be there all the time. I never, I never seem to go dry when it comes to writing music, but I don't feel like a musician. Because you don't feel that you have that talent? Uh, because probably I don't really take myself seriously enough as a musician at all. I'm far too interested, probably too interested for my own good, but uh, I'm far more interested in the blending of different things. And I, I, I just can't, I don't have, I have the attention span of a grasshopper, which means that it, it's very difficult for me to become a craftsman. I suppose that I'm uh, uh, quite promiscuous and uh, a jack of all trades artistically. <laughs>
course, <laughs> you know. With, then, Monogamy then, and mere life. Yeah, yes, you've got to understand yeah. this, Charlie. You know, life's changed. It's moved along. We've reached a plateau of maturity. I've ch 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 changed. We, we behave, don't we? Oh, yeah, we do. What's the. Uh, we know a good thing when we see one. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> We Less of that. Do. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how life changes, isn't it? Yes, it yes, is. Yes. <laughs> we are we are synthesizers, though, aren't we? <laughs> we were. <laughs> Boy, did I synthesize in my time. Yes, you certainly did. But you don't, you don't regret it any of it. You don't regret any of it. Do I don't actually regret. I don't regret a thing. Your one, lives, one lives one's life so, yes. that, so that one can Several become. Times. <laughs> so that one can become one whatever one is destined to be. One wakes up. Nice and one has to travel the road and life. stop wherever life, <laughs> wherever life leads him. Many of mine were cul-de-sacs, but uh, I understand you got a suit like this, John. Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> do you have one like this? I exactly like <laughs> Exactly that, yeah. like when you go see your banker. Yeah, I wore it in the hunger. <laughs> <laughs> Did I see something the other day where you were worth like $800 million? $900 million. $900 yes. Is yeah, that true? I'm waiting for the check. <laughs> it's the most... Everybody who knows you is... is everybody. Is, is digging up in your backyard saying, I where is he have, keeping it? I've had so many new friendships since that article <laughs> appeared. I can't tell you. I feel so beloved everywhere I go. Um, it's absolute garbage. Really? Complete and utter crap. Okay, 800 million. Absolutely nowhere near that. Yeah. No, that's, that's, I have no idea where they pull that figure from. It's just incredible. But have you been good at, at, at taking <coughs> the money well, that you... very good, but I'm no, not, taking I'm money not, not that good you enough have to earn 900 million. <laughs> not that good. Not that good. <laughs> <laughs> movies. Uh, a long series of movies. Yes, I've enjoyed doing the movie. But you don't long. think of yourself as an actor either. No, not really. Uh, in fact, no, not at all. And uh, I guess it's a vanity that when you are offered a part, if it's with a director that you have some, a real interest in or you feel has a new spin on things, um, it's very tempting to accept the role. And uh, uh, this year I just did another piece uh, with an independent company uh, a new director, a brand new director, it's his first film. Nearly everybody involved in the thing is brand new. And the star of it is a, um, a musician in Britain that I've got a lot of respect for called Goldie. And he's sort of uh, really the godfather of a new kind of music that's come out of England over the last uh, uh, ten years called drum and bass. And this is his first role. And it really tells the story of gang life in uh, Liverpool. Um, and uh, in particular, um, I guess the uh, mixed race gangs and the uh, triad is there's some kind of conflict there and it's an extraordinary venture and so far it looks to be a, a really great film and I think it's uh, it's gonna make quite a noise when it comes out it's an excellent piece of work I had no idea Goldie asked me if I would do it with him and I had no idea what to expect and I just wanted to do it because I liked him and all the guys that he was, he was sort of with and uh, it's just turned out to be a treat. That's called Everybody Loves Sunshine. But you have, in fact, said that you, the only movies you do are those in which you like the director and you want to do There's something. There's got to be something in there that I really feel yeah. that I have strong empathy with, you know. And, uh, of course, uh, you know about me and SKs and, you know, <laughs> yes. and then the military and uh, all that. <laughs> what is it you think you do best? Um, you know what? I think I would love to have been, uh, I would actually, I would love to have been like Sting and being a teacher, I really would have liked to have done that. Uh, what, I, what, what, gets, what really sort of gets me off is 
to be able to introduce people to new things. I love the uh, feeling of introducing a new subject or something, uh, especially to younger people, that, that maybe excites them and gets them going on something and influences them to do something, you know, opening up some kind of world. I love taking people to uh, art galleries and really corny things like that. I love going to museums with them as well. Um, and it's a joy that I've always had with my son especially. It's been just terrific to be able to do that. Take him to the theatre uh, one week maybe and then take him to a, a, a dance club or a rock show and then an art museum and all these different things. And it's just great to see how somebody else takes these same influences and puts them together their own way. Because I remember when people did that for me, I always felt it was a gift when anybody took me anywhere and uh, uh, or showed me a, a new way of doing things. I always felt that that was the greatest gift that they could give to me and I love doing that back. I love showing people things like that. I've got a website um, called bowieart.com. Right. At the moment it's quite, uh, it's quite a vanity box because it's all my stuff. Um, but we do have quite a bit of uh, information on the books with the publishing company. All right, we'll get to that in just a moment. Let me yeah, just but also, no, my point is, is that in about two or three weeks, we're going to start putting on new artists, uh, artists that I believe are very good and have really have something to say. And we're also opening it up more as an e-zine with a lot more articles. And I'm going to encourage the people that are, uh, are using the uh, uh, site to contribute their ideas and, and maybe galleries or artists and, and work that they've seen and, and have them write in and tell us about it. Uh, I want to also get to a place where we can have them download work by artists from this site and interfere with it, manipulate it and put it back up again, which I think is a really nice interactive thing to do, is to mess, mess with an artist's work is, I think, great. Well, I have a magazine here. One of the things that you do for, for modern painters is you interview artists. Yeah. I enjoy that Jeff Koons and, and yeah. others. Uh, and and I, I try and make it a, a deal for myself not to interview anybody that I really don't feel uh, is somebody who has uh, uh, some place or position in my, in my, in my heart as being uh, uh, a, a pretty good... not somebody you like or curious yeah, about? Yeah, I mean, or, or because I'm a so-called celebrity interviewer, I kind of rather take advantage of that and just go for the people that I really want to interview. It's, it's not a job in that way, you know, go and interview him or yeah, right. her. Whatever. I kind of suggest the people. You go where your curiosity takes <laughs> yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you've got it, use it. Yeah. You know. You're painting. Uh, we're going to see a few here. Okay. How long have you been painting? Um, probably, again, uh, I guess it all started bubbling up to play music and sing and paint all around the same time. Around eight, about eight years old, I guess I started um, taking it seriously. When I was around 18 or 19, I took it more seriously. And it's gone through ups and down, you know, zenith well, when, uh, funnily enough, when music starts to decline in my interest, where well, there are moments when you really feel like you haven't got it, that you've got nothing really to express, that it's going wrong, you've lost the plot. At those times, I found that, mu that uh, painting has really sort of taken over, and I've done, I've produced an awful lot during that time. But they keep balancing each other around. I, I used to find that they would balance each other very well. So when, when one's down, one is up. Yeah, well I had a, I had a way of uh, working through musical problems by painting them out at one time and uh, that seems to have disappeared over the, over the years. But uh, You've lost that ability? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, for one reason or another it's, that seems to have changed now. Alright, let's take a look at some of them and then we'll come back. These are the kinds of images that have been downloaded. These have been, in fact, downloaded by our group here from your website. www.bowieart.com 
Okay, the first, let's take a look at the first thing. What do we, what's that? Could this be Iggy Pop, huh? It certainly could be Iggy Pop. That's Iggy Pop in 1976, as I saw him, when uh, we were living in Berlin. We just moved, we both had fairly severe, uh, severe drug problems. And uh, so, to rectify that, we moved to Berlin, the uh, heroin capital of the world. Uh, which, I guess in retrospect, doesn't sound like a terribly sensible No, it doesn't thing. sound very smart to me. And that's a picture of Jim turning blue uh, in, uh, in his apartment in Berlin. That's uh, a portrait of me turning yes, into the is. Lion King. It's, 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 yeah. it's, this is 1995, yes, though. Yeah. I was quite prescient with this because I knew that was going to be a musical. Yeah, who influences you in, in your painting? Um, <laughs> a lot of people influence me yes, I into know. not painting. But, but, uh, but we want to spare uh, them the credit, don't we? You know what? I, I'm, again, uh, I have no loyalty to style whatsoever. I mean, I, I can... One day I can be uh, I can be a complete minimalist yeah. and just paint a, a stick of wood white, and the uh, next day I want to be uh, quite florid and painterly and and do something like the Iggy Iggy Pop painting. But does tell me the satisfaction of completing a painting that you that where you're on that you like a lot. That, for me, it, yeah, the satisfaction of that. It, for me, to be quite frank, it's finishing it so I can get on to something else. I mean, it's it, just it's getting weird. through it's it. Not, it's getting through it. It's the process. Um, there's something in it that it just turns, it just turns me to jelly. Turn my heart and my mind just, just become, I can't explain it. It's a very strange feeling. It's not particularly pleasant either. I can't really say that I enjoy I, c I can't really say that I enjoy music or painting in quite that... I mean, it's not like sex or something, which you can kind of really enjoy. There's <laughs> I knew something you'd get back really, to the sex. <laughs> it's important. It's, but there's something, um, there's something volatile, emotive, and um, something that makes me really quite angry about going through the process of both making music and, and doing visual arts. And, but the uh, visuals are... But, you know, I guess that's my problem. No, but let's deal with your problem. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you but came if, to but see... But if you deal with my problem, <laughs> I might not be able to do these things again, you see. I oh. I, I'm wary of uh, analysis. Yes, sir, but let me point out to you, <laughs> yeah. knowing your history and knowing your family yes. and knowing your background, you have always, always resisted any suggestion I want you to look over this way when I'm talking to you. <laughs> I'm getting deeply into those yes, eyes. Yes, I know you yeah. are. You were getting into those eyes, yeah. weren't you? Now, why are you What's wearing... this about? <laughs> you have always, yeah. always resisted any notion that this creativity that you have comes from any sort of dysfunctional or you know, madness out of family. I think... I've often wondered if, if actually the, being an artist uh, of, in any way, any nature, is uh, a, a kind of a sign of a certain kind of dysfunction, a social dysfunctionalism anyway. Yeah. It's an extraordinary thing to want to do, to express yourself in such, in such rarefied terms. Uh, uh, I, think there's a, a, I think it's a loony kind of thing to want to do. I think the, the saner and rational approach to life is to survive steadfastly and create a protective home and, 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 and create a warm, loving environment for one's family and, and get food for them. That's about it. That's actually... Anything else is extra. All culture is extra. Culture is, uh, you know, that's... Uh, I guess it's a freebie.
It's something that we, we don't, we only need to eat. We don't need uh, particular color plates or particular height chairs or anything. I mean, anything will do, but we insist on making 1,000 different kinds of chairs and 15 different kinds of plates. It's, it's unnecessary and it's a sign of the irrational part of man, I think. We should just be content with picking nuts. Not mine, <laughs> I might add. You were so on. <laughs> Let me see the next slide. <laughs> the next thing is an acrylic and computer collage on canvas. Yeah. Yeah, what I do, I take a... Um, this um, is 1997, that we're not... Yeah, no, this, we're very recent now. This is yeah. what it looks like now. It's not so expressionist, is it? There's a kind of... Uh, <laughs> no, there's nothing. There's, uh, I think, I think probably I'm getting influenced by what's called bad painting, which is uh, uh, in vogue. Uh, if you want to know about bad painting, ask Charles Saatchi, because he bought every one in England. He did? Every single bad painting in England, I believe. And did he put uh, him in... Set that one. But he hasn't he, bought that one. <laughs> did he put him in storage somewhere? He's probably <laughs> sold him by now. <laughs> you know Charles. Yes. All right, next slide. Uh, yes, bad painting meets expressionism. <laughs> you see, I can do them all in combinations. Yeah. You just tell me who you want. All right. And uh, you'll get it. <laughs> yes. This is... That's what this, this is. This is, is an just acrylic this, and... Com <laughs> yeah, these are, these are a series of paintings of people that come in and out of my life, and I just do very quick sketches and take photographs and Polaroids and produce very fast and, uh, in a way, I think they're fairly accurate uh, portraits. And who might this be? This is just... This is a trucker. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are not too many truckers in my life, Charlie, but this one obviously <laughs> made a mark. It must have been the underhang. Yes. Do you think, would you call that an underhang? Well, uh, it's not an overhang, is it? No, I, well, I guess it could be an underhang. So, yeah. Next slide. That was a rather, uh, I guess... Uh, Another self-portrait. Yeah. But, uh, these come from a series of uh, five paintings that I did as a potential cover for an album called Outside. And this, in fact, was the one that I chose as the cover. Um, what happened to the album? Uh, not very much. It, did, it, it came out, and uh, uh, I think it was quite interesting. In fact, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing it. As, um, as a theatre piece with Robert Wilson for the year 2000. So that's something that we're supposed to be meeting if either of us can find a, some kind of place where we're both in the same country at the same well, time. Well, that would be right now because he's in New York City. Is he? Yes. <laughs> I'd kill him for not phoning me. <laughs> Next slide. Robert, wherever you are, contact me. Um, that's called Ancestor Figure. Um, this was inspired by a trip you went to South Africa in 1995 with Iman. Yeah, we went over there just after Freedom Called. And yeah. uh, uh, one of the stories prevalent in Africa is that the uh, ghosts of one's ancestors are white. And uh, often when white man was first seen, he was thought of as being one of the ancestors, ancestors. of the tribe. And so I just took that and, and uh, did a series of ancestor figures with kind of Ziggy Stardust haircuts. <laughs> so, see, it, see, here's the picture I get. Yeah. It, all of it never goes away. It's all still there, so you can reach back and bring it forward and push it back yeah. and step forward. Uh, did I, I mean, show you this? This is uh, Charlie has this. It's an original piece of merchandise from my Ziggy Stardust tour. It's still that long We pressed ago. seven of these, and this is one of them. <laughs> Discovered. All right, next slide. We've got two more, and we're going to move on. Yeah, I think we better. <laughs> well, that's obviously, that's the, that's the female to the series. <laughs> Remember, America, if you want these, you can pick them up on, on, the, on the website. Be my guest. <laughs> All right, next slide. <laughs> this is Bill T. Jones. This is interesting. Yeah, Bill T. Jones uh, uh, wanted, uh, um, uh, well, asked me if I would contribute some art for, to a, a benefit that he's uh, throwing for, for dance. And uh, this is one of three uh, 
pieces, the three lithographs that I did for him. Voila. Um, a couple of things about the music. Yeah. Do you... How do you feel about Let's Dance? I, I mean, think it, it became an incredible... I mean, it was an extraordinary acceptance that I had there. Um, I'd never had anything quite like that before. Up until that time, I was quite happy being a sort of a major cult figure, in a way. You know, it sort of... It was a nice place to be. It gave me a lot of freedom. Um, I, could st I knew that I could depend on an audience that would virtually follow... Uh, follow my whims, you know, and I could sort yeah. of do what I wanted, but the Let's Dance thing almost became a hindrance and obstacle. In fact, it did become a hindrance and obstacle to me because I suddenly, my, my poles changed, my, uh, my suddenly, but my focus was on, well, what are the audience's expectations of me now? And I started maybe writing for an audience, which I've never, ever done before. And when I learned that that was, uh, for me, a, a stupid thing to do, uh, I, I got back into the way of writing for myself again and I think balance has been uh, equilibrium has been uh, arrived at now I'm very now very very happy with the way things are uh, both musically and the kind of uh, simpatico that I have with my my audience everything got a lot of very good reviews it did indeed I was I was so uh, so pleased about that because it was an album that had no compromises on on it whatsoever it was very hard-nosed um, and uh, I was just so pleased the way it was accepted it was great it was lovely that's very nice when that happens. You, when did you celebrate your 50th birthday? Yeah. When? 51 now, Charlie. <laughs> 51 now. Yeah, but you're not unhappy about that. No, I mean, you no. seem to be, to have arrived at some acceptance. It might not have been as hard as 40 was for you. No, but 40 was pretty difficult. Because uh, you didn't want to let go of the idea that you were still 20. Everything was wrong. No, it's not. It was more about the fact that it was also my nadir as a musician. I was writing crap and uh, it, it, it just, nothing was going right uh, artistically for me. I thought, you know, I thought I'd just dried. I was trying to write for audiences. It, it was right in the middle of that period, 1987. And uh, it was just astonishingly awful time for me. Um, and I think I just had to kind of almost, it's almost about pulling yourself together and saying, hey, I've got maybe this finite length of time left. I really would like to enjoy it. So, you know, stop self-pity and stop all these kinds of things and, and just pull yourself together and maybe make some decisions about what it is you really want out of life. And I think the first thing I wanted was each day to be really good. Um, and so I had to go about uh, changing everything in my life everything and uh, I've arrived now at a place that uh, I hope that I'm not self-satisfied but I'm certainly uh, uh, a fulfilled man I'm fulfilled romantically musically artistically I love my family we're, we're so close now right. um, I have a terrific relationship with my son just I can't tell you how great and uh, uh, so it's something I just want to keep on the front burner every day. I just want it to be just like that until death strikes, you know, and that would be cool. Good for you. All right, let me turn now, take a break, and we'll come back and we'll talk about publishing and about this latest venture. Please. 21. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Stay with us. I'm afraid of Americans. I'm afraid of the world. As I noted in the earlier segment, David Bowie is involved in a publishing venture. It is called 21. It's an independent art publishing house launched last year in the UK. David Bowie founded it with three friends. It aims to reach a wide audience by producing accessible books on the visual arts. 
Its first title, Blimey, is an irreverent account of the London contemporary art scene. Joining me now with David Boyd to continue talking about art, one of its first authors, Matthew Collings, and three of its four partners. Karen Wright is editor of the art journal Modern Painters. London gallery owner Bernard Jacobson is here. And of course, David Boy continues with me. You introduce these people and tell me about this. I mean, how did all this come together? <laughs> Who wants to do <laughs> it? <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, you want to do it, Karen? I don't know. Okay, have a go at it. Okay. Um, Karen, I've known for 25 years. Uh, sorry. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she had a gallery. She came from America, um, opened a gallery in, in uh, Cambridge. And I thought she was miscast, and I thought she should be in publishing. So eventually, she got involved in Modern Painters with, uh, sadly, the person we launched it for, Peter Fuller, who was tragically killed. Right. Um, David came in much later, about five years ago. I, I mean, just sort of, I love his company, I love his mind, I love the fact he we're on the same wavelength, basically. So he, he was brought in as well. And, he was uh, brought in to do what? To do these well, interviews it, for the magazine or to it, do something? Advise, write, everything. I mean, it, it, just across the board. He formally joined our editorial board. And, and, oh, he's and on actually, the editorial he's on our editorial board, <laughs> along with Lord Gowrie and all other, uh, uh, Richard Vaughan, yeah. another very important. You know, we it, had him for a trial dinner, do you remember? Yes, that's right, yes. yes. Oh, and yeah, then I had to pass the trial. Yes. <laughs> and it was a trial of fire, yeah. And he survived it. And yeah. it was tough. Yeah. I, mean, so I mean, there was a very kind of heavy. I had to argue with Hilton Crane. Yeah, it was a very heavy my, uh, he was a kind of heavy intellectual team. That's a show I'd like to watch. Well, it, it was great. It was, I loved it. Hilton I loved him. Yeah. And it was kind of I didn't want him to go. I could have yeah. argued all night. <laughs> well, it was all these kind of heavyweight people, and uh, and uh, you know, and then David, and they said, well, uh, you know, he's a pop star, you know, and, and then they, you know, as the evening went on, it was like, oh, he's read a book or two. Oh, he knows the thing. And slowly they're going, oh, we love him, and so eventually he he became part of the team. He's very much part of the team. How is this magazine different from any other? Well, basically, we want to get, if I may say, we're sure. basically trying to get away from what's called, what I call art speak. It's basically meant to be just good reading, intelligent reading, so that it, it's not meant for just like the 200 people who care about art in the world, but actually thousands of people who care about art. Listen to this. David Bowie with Jeff Koons, William Boy, the story of Nat Tate, Brian Robertson on Robert Rauschenberg, uh, Martin Gayford on Frank Stella, Jed Pearl, Art in New York, Richard Wellheim, Kids of Survival, uh, Norbert Linton with Dora... Ashton, David Hockney, TV is dead. And Whoa, yeah. <laughs> Whoa well, David. Well, well. That's a little joke. I mean, <laughs> you don't deal with anything controversial. <laughs> and Rick yeah. Moody, Art After Art. So this is... Yeah, Rick Moody. I, that's, yeah. that's a terrific little article. Rick art did. After Art? R Rick came through. I mean, he's a, a wonderful writer, and uh, I was uh, so happy that he came through with such a nice article. So, See, so one, of, one of the other big things we, we wanted to do uh, from the very, very beginning was to try and get real writers involved. You know, novelists, playwrights. And there's been a very heavy emphasis on that. People like uh, Julian Barnes, um, Jay McInerney is writing on the next issue. It's, What's it's he writing on? Karen? You, you say it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think it's okay to say Fonseca. <laughs> Fonseca. 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 You're having oh, this pronunciation on the way down. And uh, it's somebody I wasn't very familiar with. He's about to have a show here in New York yes. next month. Oh, I know who he is. Yeah. yeah, I know. yeah. So he's writing a piece about him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So it's, it's very much a kind of a mix of people who are kind of, you know, interested in the arts. I think uh, the, another thing we're trying to do is that, as you notice, there are a lot of writers who are not primarily known for being involved in the visual arts. I think the idea is that an, an opinion is a very valuable thing, and if it's well put and there's some kind of uh, um, brain power behind it, 
that whatever that opinion is on, it's worth having. And I feel that, personally, that it doesn't necessarily have to just fall into the laps of the art world to write about art, you know. Well, no, 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 don't, don't. I think that's a pretty good idea. I mean, basically, that's the essence of what you're saying, is that we don't just want to leave art to those who traditionally inhabit the art world. Yes. Yeah, I might start because it's a kind of house of kind of trade journals. Yeah. Trade journals about cars or houses or... Uh, Hoovers or something. Most art ma magazines are so narrow in the way that they talk about art that it can really only be read by ultra professionals. So if I put art, art in America next to your magazine, you would know the difference. Yes, absolutely. It's much more of a range of voices in this here. Sort of range of tone and of voices. Much more yeah. voices. I don't want to say much, much more voices outside of the traditional art world. Yes? yes but traditional art criticism. Criticism, world. right. Yeah. 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 But yeah. also, there are a lot of heavyweight art academics writing for it as well. Okay. I mean, so it's a, it's a mix. It's, it's meant yeah. to touch you. And I must say, every issue, Matt Collins, is the first, <laughs> Matt Collins' diary is the first piece read by whoever it is. Now, how good is Bowie as an interviewer? He's excellent. He is. He's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> he is, he's brilliant. He's getting better. He's getting, getting better. better. I've touched the parts of the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you raise the questions they don't want to talk about. Mm. Uh, yeah, he does. I do yeah. come yes, back to Keynes. Yeah, it's the best song with Keynes has ever been, I think. Why? Uh, fantastic insight into Keynes' character. Great affection yeah. for him. Very great sympathy for him, but not sort of letting him get away with anything where <laughs> he might say something you can't understand what he's saying, he keeps probing and picking. I'm quite fan-like in that way, and I've learned a lot from my fans, because I find that the ones who really are into my work really pull me apart, you know, they really have a go at me, and uh, they're, they, they're not kind of fawning at all, and I, I felt that, well, that's kind of how I feel. I really want to know about my favourite artists and what makes them, what makes you tick? Jeff. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure if I quite got the tick-tock, but I certainly felt that he was very generous with his time and allowed me to maybe get nearer to possibly what he's all about than maybe others have done, because he's really great. He's a great American artist. Well, th I think the point's well taken. It is this notion that, that the people who, that this is a fandom idea, you know, the best critics I know genuinely love the art or the performing art that they write about. The oh, best. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They love it. Yeah, yeah you they get care off about on their passion it. when yeah. you read them. And, and that's and what they may be the most critical, in. but they're brought there by genuine love and not a cynicism. Yes, that's yeah. right. right. Yeah. They're crusaders. Yeah. It's, it's easy to be nasty, yeah. but it's right. much harder cynicism to be generous. Cynicism makes a lot more money. That's why yeah. it's so popular. Exactly. It's unfortunately real, so. It's a real great it's, it's a career easier. opportunity. Yeah, it is easier. It's a lucrative one. And sometimes and unfortunately it's become identified even in my profession with talent. And it's not talent. Mm. Um, cynicism I, is passe. We're going back into an age of romanticism. Watch. <laughs> but I think the other thing we did with the magazine, and it's in these interviews, is give people space to write. Art magazines always have very short articles, and we've given people length, and the interviews length, and they make them very special by having length yes. to develop, and yeah. length to grow. Take me from this magazine now to 21, which is publishing. Mm. Books like Blimey. Matt, Matt was typical of a person who was writing for the magazine, whose um, diaries were getting better and better, who has a long association with the magazine from being a proofreader in day one yeah. <laughs> to writing. Yeah. He was a wonderful proofreader. We didn't have yeah. so many mistakes. In the but what, why a publishing yeah. company? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going into I think going it's a into. True, I think it's, it's a, true a true extension. extension of the it's, it, it just comes straight out of the magazine. You know, let's have books. I mean, the magazine's great when it comes out four times a year. Let's have books on the <coughs> same subject. There's so many books that 
haven't been published. It's an published. art publishing company, isn't it? Not, yeah. not just a publishing company. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just on it's art. The same aims yeah. for the magazine are the aims for the publishing yeah, company. Yeah, but it, it, yeah, it, it I think it, in fact, yeah, we go to fuller range to the idea that we can widen the spectrum. I think yeah. that's yeah. what we felt that we could do with a book publishing company, that we may find, uh, find that there, there were going to be certain parameters with the magazine that we possibly in the future wouldn't actually be able to mm. do much about. But I think that the, the few of us got together and, and, and thought, well, let's have a book publishing company of our dreams that really, it starts from day one with nothing and we can just go and build it and it'll almost build itself with our own yeah. quite diverse interests. Yeah. Um, mm. we, we're not all in agreement about everything, which no. the, the amount of uh, friction that that causes is just the right amount of friction that makes a publishing company something of interest and is vibrant and has a resonance. You know. But is there an operative idea that there's money to be made in art books? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 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 well, I think, uh, I think it's possible, but, you know, maybe I'm an optimist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell me about this. Blimey. It, this, is a, this is a look at the London art scene. Yeah. Pronounced as Dick Van Dyke would pronounce. Yeah, blow me. It's a look at the, uh, the current London art scene, but allowing the story to go back a bit to uh, the 1950s and the time of Francis Bacon. Yeah. So the title is actually Blow Me uh, from Bohemia to Britpop. That's right, it is. The London yeah. art world from Francis Bacon to Damien Hirst. So reading it, you get a very vivid picture of a living art world, the sights and smells it's of a jump the from Francis real Bacon people. to Damien Hirst. Yeah, it's a jump, but yeah, actually but they overlapped in time. And Francis Bacon saw some work by Damien Hirst, thought it was quite good. Is that right? It's not such a leap. So the, the, um, it's, it's a leap in type from, you know, painting to objects where you can hardly describe what they are. But maybe an attitude and mood, they're, they're maybe quite close. You meet Lucian Ford about halfway through. Yeah, you meet Lucian Ford. <laughs> you go around through me, you go, you're walking through the streets of London and you meet these artists and you hear about them. And it's a sort of mixture of my own uh, autobiography and meeting people and chatting to them and having encounters with them. And then through that thinking about the big ideas of art and the big moments of art, as, it, as they've occurred in London over the last uh, uh, 40 or 50 years or something. So it's neither wholly anecdotal and chatty nor wholly um, uh, theoretical or academic. It's kind of a mixture of those things. Is there, when we originally began to plan this program, I was going to come out and do a conversation with you, then we we're going to bring you two on, hoping we'd get some kind of something going on here. Is there some basic disagreement you have about art or anything? I'm Is sure any there's disagreements about the value of certain artists' work. I'm very tolerant of people's artists' work and in, in, of certain artists' work in there, which no, I, there isn't. I know that... Uh, See, now, now he's not agreeing. <laughs> he's, he's disagreeing by, right. by agreeing. <laughs> but, uh, well, I think... I think we all have, you see, we're all having a very different stance here. I mean, I, I would say, I mean, I... Frank, he hates all the artists in that. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I must say, I mean, I said... I'm very kind to them all, even yeah, though... I mean, yeah, I mean, he does have a problem chickens, with the majority of those, yeah. those artists. Well, I mean, I basically say, which pisses everybody off, that I say that uh, there's nothing after Cezanne. You know, it's all showbiz after that. I mean, I, I just do it to annoy people, he but basically... He says things like that, and you wonder why he's that's why involved so in the same but company. There's a kind of truth in it. You know, you kind of think, okay, well, you know, Picasso certainly is good, and Matisse is great, and then you kind of well, yeah, then there's Pollock, and he's really amazing. And so it does go George. on. Yeah. Okay, Pollock's great. So, you know, the, 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 okay. it, it's sort of quite hard. And then David is pretty good in, in convincing, you know, uh, uh, me, I, you know, that I should look at these 
people, and he does it in, with a great sort of charm and with conviction. And I do find myself looking at somebody. Like, but but is that. this a game or not? I mean, no, do you actually. No, you know, actually I think we're dead serious about about yeah. art and, and us. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 about the fact that you find nothing redeeming. Well, I guess I, I don't find anything. I, I guess I'm old-fashioned, and I do believe in heroes. I do believe in greatness. I believe in these things, which I don't think in this kind of television age, that it's quite the same, the rules are different now. I think they are different. So there is no Cezanne, there's no Matisse, there's no Picasso, there, is, so. there is no... There's no Pollock. Pollock. I don't think so. Well, today. I mean, maybe, maybe Frank Stella, uh, you know, possibly. <laughs> I mean, again, I'm biased, but I think he may be, maybe Rauschenberg. But there are very few real, real greats. Well, I don't feel now that Frank Stella's painting, uh, well, having other people do his paintings fine, for him. Fine. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You wouldn't have said that. If it wasn't Frank Stella, if I came to you and said, do you yeah, like this painting? Yeah, you don't like Jeff Koons having his paintings. Yeah. Don't I don't bro. mind him having some paintings. But you Jeff? only don't mind because you found out that Frank Stella's good. <laughs> yeah, so no, 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 Frank Stella, <laughs> Frank Stella had people painting his pictures in the 60s. Oh! Oh, yeah, Which is fine. I mean, no, I think that's okay. I don't mind that. Bro, down I, I mean, people I, what do you think of Jeff Koons? Uh, I think he's absolutely charming. Uh, as an individual. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and what about his art? Well, um, it's definitely and very, very interesting. What about the sculpture that's over at the, Bil <laughs> at the Bilbao? <laughs> uh, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm very, I'm very that's confused. That's good one, that puppy. Yeah, the puppy. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, fabulous. Yeah. It's amazing. It, it, there's something amazing. It's definitely amazing. Cezanne would have been but jealous what? of that. He would have been... Of the puppy? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he would have been what shocked that, yeah. what he couldn't do it. Uh, really? so <laughs> I don't know. It's... Um, I, I, but I'm, you are... You basically are saying that modern art, for the most part, is full of... Showbiz. Showbiz. I think there's a lot of that, yeah. yeah. Which is maybe fine, by the way. I think that David, maybe it's okay. I think that show business is full of a lot of modern art. I think it's precisely <laughs> the other way around. I think show business is becoming uh, a shelter for the old avant-garde. <laughs> what yeah. about... Well, what, listen, well, Matt and I were discussing this a few minutes ago, and, um, you know... Discussing we, what? About this, this business of, yeah, of, of what where, you know, where art, art ends and, and, and showbiz and... Yeah. and in a way, we sort of agree, but have different conclusions. Yeah. We yeah. agree. Because I think, uh, in a way, Bernie's right in that actually a certain type of art has come to an end. We don't know when it ended. But a certain type of... A certain, the art that really does connect to Cezanne or Van Gogh or even pre-modern art right. has ended. The type of art in Blimey and the type of art that Jeff Koons does is in a way a new kind of thing. It's, it's still art, but it's not really... It, it, one has to admit a kind of break between old art, even old modern art. It's, it's, it's contemporary yeah. art is right. kind of different. All right, let me just talk... It doesn't mean it's worse or bad or that it's only shapeless or that it's only plastic or shallow. But it's I mean, if you see... Well, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, it's, it's about the type of world that we live in. The culture's changed. And it's coming from a different... It's coming from different visual. Right, let me just throw four yeah. names out. Yeah. Yeah. All right, um, De Kooning. Yeah. Good. Great artist. Mm. Great he's artist. A, he's yeah. a great artist. He's yeah. a connection to I the thought, past. He's okay. a sort of bridge. He's a bridge. The yeah. Old and the Jasper new. Johns. A very very good artist. Very good. Mm. Andy Warhol. Excellent. Very excellent. Very good artist. But certainly, it's a new type of art. Definite break between him and Cezanne. And that was probably the first one, wasn't it? In a way. In a way, yeah. The next book that's a bit like Blimey is starts with Warhol. It's about the New York art world. It goes from Warhol to now. The one that from Matt's working on now. The three artists so far, I think they had their moments. I don't think that their output was uh, had a, had a, a con continuity. What, the Keenan, Jones, and Warhol. Yes. Who would you add to it? We've covered Pollock and Rushenberg. 
think the later work wasn't uh, anywhere near, it wasn't a patch on what he was doing initially. Who? Uh, in Warhol. The That's later work true. was not nearly as good. No. no. I think it uh, applies to de Kooning, because I think he... it also applies to Jones. Yeah. I think you get an agreement on that, don't you? I think, everybody, I think everybody would agree no, with I think de Kooning has one or two moments of different, that, where he does a very, you know, in the 60s and 70s, he does this very sort of sloppy pink art that people are dismayed by because his early art was so rigorous and grim and hard and slashing and so they think if it's floppy it can't be good but it was sort of kind of very good floppy I think he'd. it's true about I think Warhol got more decorative and glitzy and at first there was something rather harsh but it, in fact it's actually in Warhol's later life that people started to notice that, that early work had that really black dark side to it at the but time when, yeah, yes, it was like when Warhol was doing at the, the time, people assumed, uh, wow, it's pop, how groovy. It almost focused the early work yeah. when he did the later. You look back yeah, on early Warhol now, it seems very dark. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that for sure. But, but I think but these artists, are the names, I think these are the great names that are going to end yeah, the century. Yeah, they are the big names, yeah. These are the people going to end yeah, the century. Yeah. And I mean, if, if we, if we, kind of, if we look at the middle of the century, when I kind of arrived, you know, as a kid, looking at art, it was, you know, uh, Leger, Chagall, Picasso, yeah. Miro. Chagall, everyone's forgotten about Chagall. Oh, now, great artists, yeah. you know. But I mean, these were the great artists in the middle of the century, and we're ending the century now with Liechtenstein, Warhol, Stella, well, well, John. Lichtenstein. What do you think of Liechtenstein? I think he's a great artist. Yeah. I think it's a great. Here's what I don't in get. In television age, go on. Okay, but help me understand in terms of, you know, there's Cezanne at the turn of the century. There well, was Cezanne, yeah. Picasso, and Matisse. Okay. Yes. Isn't, okay. it, all, uh, isn't yeah. it also personal, though? Isn't it really no, also personal? No, I don't think it if is. If it's by consensus, <laughs> an artist is great. If there's, a, if a numerically enough people like that artist, that he yeah. becomes well, a I great think artist. Need, I, think I mean, Lichtenstein well, for me is not a great like, artist. Dave, that sounds so like box office. How can he be a great artist if I don't think he's a great artist? I think he did. A, he had a great gag for the first few years, and then he just did it and did it and did it, and then he died. I don't know that that <laughs> makes sense. That's artists do do that. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's yeah, artists yeah, do do that. Yeah. His great gag was great. It's was the great. Yeah, but it was a big I think you might find, and I'm not sure, you might find that these people, like uh, Stella, Johns, Rauschenberg, like I might dwarf the abstract expressionists. You might find in 20 years' time, they will be the great late 20th century artists. And, and you'll look back like on people Caulfield. like de Kooning and you'll find that they will oh. simply be School of Paris. They'll be read as, you know, something that came out of the great Parisian artists. Gr greatness is when an artist seems to be a foundation stone. They, yes. They're foundation stones and for thought. You can't really, if you took them away, it would seem like art would fall down. So yeah, and, we know, and we're forgetting ones, about people like Jim Rosenquist and Claude right, Oldenburg. Sure. These, are, these are sort of giants. I mean, I think you, you know, you being a, a New Yorker, you're right on top of it. I mean, me, as an outsider, I'm coming in to to town, and you know, I know these people very well. I knew Warhol. Uh, there's something kind of amazing there, absolutely amazing, exotic, amazing, original, extraordinary, dynamic stuff that we hadn't seen before. And they, and now I know they're old. Some they're in their 60s and 70s, yeah. and some sadly have now died. But they are the greats. They're probably the great living artists. That, okay, but let me. I don't want to lose this idea. Is whatever is what's happening in London today? I remember when I mentioned <laughs> at the beginning. Yes. David, uh, can we do this without Julian? Because you and I and Julian Schnabel had a program right here at this table in which most of it was a great uh, give and take and back and forth and dialogue and conflict and, 
and confrontation between you and Julian, of which, I, as I remember, Julian said that you basically didn't know what the hell you were talking about <laughs> when, you suggested, when you suggested that there was something interesting happening in art in London. Do I remember well? Well, yeah, it's somewhere in there, but I mean, that's it. we kind of, you know, I, we, I hope we love each other, Julian. We get on great. But then, it, it, but, okay, but let me stay with this idea. Is there I think something? it's hard, I think it's hard and was hard, and not so much now. Well, I don't know, maybe it is, for American artists to actually believe that anything could possibly be important that came out of London. And I think it shocked a lot of people. Same for well, a lot of London artists. Until ten years ago, it shocked them. We all thought, well, our London art is rubbish. New York is where it's at. Mm, yeah. And then what, you ask what's happening now. What's happening now is artists in their early 30s who've been working for ten years or so, or mid-30s, who is the sort of Damien Hirst generation, who suddenly over emerged as this group, making London art now the recognized top international art spot. Is it? Yeah, oh, I would yeah. have thought the uh, oh yeah the only place in the world where there's Damien Hirst. Not just because Damien dragged it into focus, but that really, there was an awful lot of new, irresistible talent under his arms. Yeah, it was art about contemporary life. It was incredibly vivid, very strong. It was kind of had a bit of pop in it and a bit of film, a bit of photography, yeah, a yeah, bit of autobiography, yeah. a lot of realism, a lot of <clears throat> black humour, a lot of sort of drollery. I think you kind of, you end the middle of the century with these great French artists. I mean, there's really, you know, right. you know, these really kind of amazing artists. The 19th who, century. Uh, no, 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 the middle, the middle, the middle, middle of the century. Right. You know, as I say, Leger, Picasso, Chagall, right. yeah, yeah, right. right. Matisse. French modernism. Yeah, I mean, Paris unbelievable. Modernism. French modernism, yeah. right. absolutely incredible. And on the heels of them are people like uh, de Kooning, etc. But uh, they're, they're lesser artists. Then you kind of, I, in my opinion, you're ending the century, as I say, with Oldenburg, Seller, Johns, Rushmore. Maybe in 2050, it might well be Jeff Koons. It might well be Damien Hurst. It might well be Tracy Eamon, these kind of people. But I think it's way, way too early to start but you're, promoting them quite as strongly as they're being promoted. But you're already but I mean, suggesting that the history is known and is uh, carved in stone. That's not necessarily yeah, true. Well, I think, course, yeah, I think the threads of history are so entangled. They start to detangle at a certain point. For instance, Picasso no longer has the ultimate priority that he had, say, even 15 years ago. Duchamp, you mean Duchamp has now caught moved up in. so much with another generation. Right. And that happens continually. But that's happened through the, the artists. The emphasis changed. So it get, it, the, the quantifying great is almost nonsensical because it, it's it periodic. Matter. Is the emphasis, though, of this conversation possibly wrong? Because it's all about who's going to be there at the end of the game, and it's like it's like this kind of Olympics thing. Is it not really? Shouldn't it revolve around, is it useful? Mm -hmm. Is well, all the stuff that they do, is it useful, useful yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. Can we do anything with well, it? Is art, it? Well, what's art for now? What is art for in 1998? I mean, we knew what it was about in the Renaissance. We knew what it was about in the 50s. We knew what it was in the 60s. I mean, what actually is art for today? I mean, the corporations have now left it. They don't, they don't no longer buy it. Uh, collectors don't buy it much. I mean, what is art for now? It's a very interesting, important question. Yeah, and there's no real solid answer. I mean, everyone has their views, and if you didn't have a view about it, then why would you be interested in it at all? And you, can, you know, you can say on the one hand, well, it's for money. On the other hand, you can say it's about, well, life is mysterious. Who's going to tell us about that mystery? And who's going to, and maybe Schnabel and Coons and Damien Hirst in their own ways. That's their endeavour, as much as it is about getting publicity and making money. It's yeah, but you see, I, I really believe thing. that these artists work in, work in a kind of a 
a white heat. They kind of don't even know what they're doing virtually. Yeah, uh, but I mean, all arts you know, has been like that. Yeah, no, I'm, no, I think it's a plus. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's why I'm saying we have to wait and see. But their energy is exciting, and that's what's pushing them to the, to the fore right now. But time will have to work out what, you know, when we look back, if we're still around in, in uh, 2050 or 2020 even, we'll get some idea. And we'll say, well, actually, that's not interesting. Why it won't be interesting, maybe, is because we won't be living like that anymore. We'll be living like this. And so that kind of art will become irrelevant, and they will not be important. But and another kind of art will be important. I think one programmers. I think the people yeah. who buy programmers and collect programmers who can do extraordinary things with computers. Uh, it's that's spooky. What we're well, I'm sure you're right, but it's spooky the way painting never really goes away and keeps coming back. And even now, at its trendiest, white-hot moment, yeah. In art, sure. painting is so big still. Sure, but sure. And I wouldn't be surprised in 2050 if there's still lots of sales of canvases and brushes and yes. tubes of paint. Well, People I, going, I would disagree sure. with that one. I think I think uh, <laughs> the say I think I think it'll be a problem selling paintbrushes in 2050. You do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that people, I think artists will still paint, but I don't think they'll render. I don't think there'll be too much rendering of, you know, a kind of a tree and stuff like that. I think, but I think paint will, the, the there'll be a, it'll go on and on. As long but as I there's a Glasgow Bernard, there'll always be a painter. <laughs> Can we explain this one, David? <laughs> well, so I mean, singularly kept painting going in oh, Britain. Oh, I see, you mean the kind of school, Scottish there would, school? There I, I agree that there yeah. would be very little painting going on. But I mean, do they look good? Do those guys look good? I mean, they look... Yeah. Yeah. That's difficult to say, actually. Well, don't the look Glasgow good to me. crowd. I, I'm out of time, unfortunately. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> 21, 21 is the name of the publishing company. 21. Uh, Baby's idea. Modern okay. Painters is the name of the magazine. Uh, thank you, Wall. Thank you, David. Thank you very much for uh, having us. Half of it we didn't cover, so <laughs> I expect you to be back here at this table to pick up on some things. <laughs> no, we like this. I'll wear that suit next time. <laughs> and I'll wear that one next time. But you owe me an another 30 minutes, sir. <laughs> and they, these people are witnesses. I've enjoyed it very much, all of it. Thank you. Thank Great. you very much. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Much success on the publishing Thank and you. on the magazine Thank and on the gallery and on whatever career wherever you are <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is you do <laughs> whatever you want to do next. i certainly hope i'll be here uh thank you for joining us we'll see you tomorrow night USA Networks as part of our continuing commitment to innovative television. Through USA Network and the Sci-Fi Channel, we provide original entertainment to America and the world. Anywhere, anytime, any book. BarnesandNoble.com, where the world shops for books. Cisco Systems, the company that brought the Internet to business, is pleased to help bring The Charlie Rose Show to PBS. Cisco Systems, empowering the Internet generation. Charlie Rose is also made possible by these funders. And by Bloomberg, a provider of multimedia news and information services worldwide.
Closed captioning funded by the U.S. Department of Education. To order Charlie Rose program transcripts and video cassettes, call 1-800-ALL-NEWS or write to the address on your screen. Please indicate show date and guest. This is PBS. Coming up this week on Charlie Rose, Tom Hanks, the actor on Space Exploration, Yo-Yo Ma, the cellist on music, and Robert Wright, the president of NBC on television. Join us.